Hello, I'm Dylan. And I'm Keon. And this is Zenith, that podcast where we invent the Ewoks because this week we watched The Web. Written by Terry Nation. Directed by Michael E. Bryant. And aired on January 30th, 1978. Ah, another name I recognize from Doctor Who, Martin E. Bryant. Michael E. Bryant. Michael he, E. Bryant. Yeah, again, couldn't tell you what he did for Doctor Who. <laughs> couldn't tell you what he did. I mean, to be honest, three weeks from now, you could say Michael E. Bryant, what did he do for Blake 7? And I wouldn't remember that either. So, <laughs> No, no, but he, he, uh, he did the web. Uh, I, I thought this was a pretty good episode, at least. I thought it was weaker than some of the other episodes. I mean, I didn't think it was bad. I just thought it was weaker and kind of more drawn out than usual at points. Yeah, there were a couple scenes that I felt like just dragged on too long. Um, but I liked how the first half of the episode was its own thing and they sort of transition- transitioned into something else. Um, both of those halves seemed like stories that they would drag out over four episodes on Doctor Who, but were done in like 30 minutes each year. So that yeah. was good. Well, I also had some minor difficulty paying attention to this because of the fact that it was drawn out and which combined with the fact that i watched this nearly immediately after the previous episode <laughs> made it kind of grating i guess but the, the second half was a lot stronger <clears throat> than the first half in my opinion i liked uh, the, the story yeah, with the decimas and the uh, whatever the other people were called yeah I, I agree with that that the second half was a lot stronger than the first half when they actually got down to the planet i was like oh okay this is getting good i can actually like care about this i can actually care and like focus on this the first half where they were just i guess bumming around the ship for a while i was like i mean bumming around the ship can be pretty funny when it's like you know you have a lot of fun interactions between the characters but they're bumming around the ship and one of them is a traitor and it's like no everyone's on edge and nobody's having any funny banter or even any meaningful conversations at all yeah well the thing is like we mentioned before um Terry Nation's scripts at this point, I think, are running way under time, and uh, Chris Boucher is, is uh, I guess, trying to get them to fit the time slot, and uh, I think this episode suffers from that a lot more than any of the previous episodes. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, every week it sounds more and more like Chris Boucher is the real hero keeping yeah. the show together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously we're not... Blake 7 making of experts if you want that check out the making of Blake 7 Twitter account which is basically updating mm-hmm. it's basically do you know if you do you know about that yeah. account yeah yeah well if you don't know what that account is uh, you should definitely check it out it has a lot of really cool making of Blake 7 stuff but the coolest thing about it in my opinion is that it's all in like real time but 40 years later so they're basically and and so is our podcast so that <laughs> account is basically uh, up to date with this podcast mm-hmm so, you know, uh, listen to this podcast for, like, the noob opinion, <laughs> the uninformed opinion, and then go, like, these guys don't know what they're talking about. I'm going to go check this Twitter account that's way better. <laughs> we know what we're talking about, barely, tangentially, sometimes. <clears throat> anyway, the episode starts with Callie messing around, <laughs> or uh, messing with uh, the Liberator. Yes. Sabotaging the ship, basically. And you, you immediately go, wow, Avon was right. Avon was right. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I thought. <laughs> uh, but then, I mean, there's like a, a, a minor implication that Callie's not the only one messing around with the ship, especially in about 10 minutes when the best scene of Blake 7 so far happens, in my opinion. At least the well, funniest to well, me. I mean, I mean it, it, she is being controlled, as mm-hmm. we find out later, so it, yeah. Yeah, so... Well, so Blake and Jenna are on the bridge, and they're going to Kentaro, 
I guess, is the name of where they're going. They actually, Blake never says why they're going to Kentaro. And I assume maybe that's because it, it's supposed to be like every... Terry Nation didn't know. Because <laughs> Terry Nation hasn't figured it out yet. But also, I mean, in-universe, you could be like, oh, well, everybody on the ship already knows what's on Kentaro, so they would be able to figure out why Blake wants to go there. But, I mean, as an audience member, that kind of sucks. <clears throat> Masterful natural dialogue where they don't have to discuss... <laughs> no, no, no. Masterful is the opposite of <laughs> what I would use, but... Well, I mean, it would be the opposite of an info dump, which is usually considered bad. <laughs> then again, you don't know what's going on, so... That's also bad. I usually consider that good, actually. Well, you want to know just enough so that you actually care about what's going on. No, because... I don't want to know anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure, we could give you a lobotomy for that. <laughs> <clears throat> so, Blake... Well, Zen's like, there's something wrong with like, the power coupling device you know masterful terry nation <laughs> techno babble and it doesn't really matter but zen's just like oh kinda... we're not gonna be able to get to kendo <laughs> yeah but they kind of just brush this off for a while yeah but they kind of just ignores it because each of the members is sort of doing their own thing you know uh avon is uh in the teleporter room just setting things on fire <laughs> He's, I don't know exactly what he's trying to do, but I think he's trying to improve the systems or something, and he's like, all right, this should do it, and he flips a switch, and it just blows up. <laughs> well, this actually that actually happens like after Blake accuses him of destroying the ship, because... All right, they, f they find out someone's been sabotaging the Liberator. Yeah, so... Blake is like, it's, it's you, Avon, isn't it? Well, <laughs> he calls Avon up to the bridge, and Avon's got like... There's like a box that's all of a sudden appeared in the teleporter room that wasn't there in the past two episodes. And this box apparently holds the forward power couplings for the ship. And it turns out Avon doesn't have just one pointy stick. He has three. And he's just poking around. He's like, try he's trying to understand it, I think. And Callie comes in after decking Villa in the face with her oh, yeah. metal sh box. Villa... Gets a new outfit, and he's like, so how do I look? And it's knocked out by Callie. So yeah, Callie walks in, and Avon is like, it's probably her. I mean, it's probably her, Blake. Well, so Avon leaves to go to the bridge to talk to Blake, and Callie at that moment picks up Avon's stuff and sabotages another thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a, <clears throat> a tense moment between Callie and Avon uh, where they're both acting just like creepy little people i guess they just kind of stare at each other and then go off in their separate ways yeah avon goes to the beach like what are you accusing me of of doing now blake and blake's like i'm not accusing you i'm asking you if you know what's up with the forward power coupling and avon's like i don't yeah, touch the forward Callie. i didn't touch the forward power coupling then Callie like busts in with with that I think, classic paul darrow squint <laughs> i think she's got like gan at gunpoint or something she has she uh, she has them at gunpoint, and then they try and keep her distracted because Gan is sneaking up behind her. And then yeah, like Gan just just captures her, and they like sedate her with something. We forgot to mention in the previous episode the magic healing medicine that's on the Liberator. Jenna comes to the bridge with a massive slice taken out of her hand, and Gan's like, "Here, yeah. just use this medicine." He puts it on, and then it just heals her and then he just wipes it off he's like there you go you all healed and then they do something suspiciously similar to that in this episode when blake's on the planet yeah they have that gel thing but <clears throat> we'll get there anyway blake 
again, overly trusting. He's like, you're not Callie, are you? And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Callie starts speaking in a, a different voice, and the voice says that it didn't want to reveal itself, uh, yeah. which is uh, pretty obvious already. But then it explains sort of what's going on. The ship is slowing down because it's entering a, a field. A web. A, a web, basically, because uh, right now Villa, uh, I guess, comes to and, and catches up on what's going on. He he looks on the view screen or whatever, and he's like, looks like a spider's web. Oh, yeah. Well, so before that, he comes in, like, right when they're accusing Callie of doing it. Like, so where have you been, Villa? And he's like, no. all I asked was if my clothes looked nice, and then I was knocked out on the floor. <laughs> And, you know, I know we mentioned Doctor Who a lot on the show for obvious reasons or maybe not so obvious reasons, but this episode is the most Doctor Who-esque yeah, of all the episodes. And there's a lot of plot threads, I think, especially in the second half that Terry Nation directly lifted from his Dalek scripts. No, I mean, the, the second half is has all the trademarks of, of a Terry Nation story, like literally all of them. And even the first part, like them flying into a web, I'm like, did... did did Terry Nation just watch The Web of Fear before he wrote this and, and just wrote it into Blake 7? <laughs> well, like I always mention, you know, writers have a couple concepts that they just continually deal with. Anyway, so this is when Avon sets the console on fire because the ship has a self-repair mechanism, which has been mentioned before, and it apparently... Zen says it doesn't know what's entirely wrong because for some reason the power banks like aren't charging fully or something. And he doesn't know what's wrong, so the repair mechanism's going through the whole system again. And so Avon goes to the, the teleporter room to see if he can figure it out before the system does with Gan. And he's like, so let's see if this works. And he's like, I'm pretty sure this will work. And he flips the switch and the console legitimately blows up and catches on fire. And he's like, oh, well, evidently Gan that didn't work then. Gan makes some snarky comment or something. And Avon is just like, he just plays it off, I guess. Yeah, because Gan's like, well, it's going to take weeks to fix that thing. And Avon's like, nah, nah, that was a big enough explosion that the system will fix it first. And it'll be pretty quick, too, because the system knows what's wrong. Anyway, I think they discover the bombs somehow, but they realize that Zen and just the ship as a whole aren't isn't fixing the bombs. And Jenna says it's because the bombs technically aren't perceived as a threat until they mm -hmm. go off, which is why the ship can't do anything about them. Uh, until they go off, but if they go off, you know, they'll be blown up, so yeah, that. Reminds me of, like, cops surveying a criminal. You can't arrest them until they've committed a crime if you're surveying them. You have to wait for them to commit the crime, and then you arrest them, but at that point, like, they've already committed the crime. <laughs> <clears throat> so otherwise you'll have a pretty garbage case in the courtroom. I forget what happens next. I think they're just continually drawn into uh, the web. And they try to escape, but the voice says, like, now nah, you're going to come down to our planet. There's no possible way that you could escape. We've already made the calculations, and you would need 100 hours of power, but you can only sustain your ship for 90. Well, it's like they need 126, and they'll only sustain for 100, I think. <clears throat> uh, they speak through Jenna this time. Uh, Callie mentions that, oh, yeah, they're psychic, so maybe they're the lost ones, which are these people in my culture who got, like, sent out to explore and, and got lost hence the name the lost ones another concept that's extremely familiar if you've watched doctor who <laughs> across multiple stories so yeah the, the i thought the voice was was really creepy it was achieved really well mm -hmm. yeah it was a good effect the talking through jenna was was good callie speaks telepathically only briefly in the story again yeah i, I, I think she just says thank you Nevet. Uh, played the the creepy 
uh, Jenna better than uh, I don't even know who plays the name of the woman who plays Callie. I should, but I don't. Should you? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. I should. I mean, it, the, it, it, it's Jan Chapel. Yeah, Jan or Chappelle. Ch- Chappelle. Chappelle. It's probably Chappelle. Yeah. Um, Sally Nevette. Yeah. It's a cool name. But um, yeah, Blake is like, all right, shut down all power. I guess we're going down to the planet. Well, first they try to escape. Yeah, they try to escape, and it doesn't work. Because because Blake doesn't believe that they've scanned the entire <laughs> ship and made all these super accurate calculations. So he's like, well, we're going to try it. So Villa is on his job of pushing one button <laughs> to fire the the blasters i guess because yeah, i have to cut a hole out of the web to escape the web so uh, I, I think villa is be- slowly becoming or maybe not so slowly becoming the first of the crew who like doesn't have anything to do <laughs> for villa i mean in this really episode like gan villa. too really yeah in this episode gan um yeah yeah both of them actually so blake orders full power with auxiliary power and they only are getting up to standard by point by 1.5 which is slow because the regular traveling speed is standard by two. Standard plus two or something. But it's not working, so they cut all power. Yeah, I just assume it's like a multiplicative thing. So standard by two means they're going two times standard speed. Standard by 1.5 is 1.5 times standard speed. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this time only Blake goes down to the planet. Well, he tells them to uh, be ready in case he... <laughs> needs be on standby yeah be be ready be prepared so he goes down to the planet and the, the planet also is covered in uh what looks like spider webs and giant spores yeah it looks like a pretty inhospitable planet the prisoner is there just chilling it's on vacation <laughs> maybe maybe it actually is the giant ball they just took it from one room at the bbc well, I mean, to the, the prisoner next. wasn't made by bbc so they borrowed it from itv <laughs> They called him up. Hey, we need. We, we need, need the a, ball thing. We need the ball. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even need to explain. The guy on the other line, end of the line is like, "We got you. Give us two days." <laughs> but yeah, the, we we actually see a, like a shot of of this base and like some some dudes trying to break in. <laughs> yeah, some dudes trying to break in. <laughs> <laughs> they look like e- yeah Ewoks, I guess, as our intro mentioned. <laughs> They Proto scream. Ewoks. Yeah, their 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 voice their voices uh, are also very Ewok esque and very annoying. Their costumes. Uh, let's talk about their costumes. Actually, their costumes are pretty. They're like good. caterpillar Ewoks. The costumes are pretty good until you get to the face, where they fit really poorly around the <laughs> eyes, and you can tell that there's a human in the costume around the eyes because you can just see like a solid inch around their eyes of their actual face. Yeah, need, need need to humanize them, you know. Need to show their eyes. I mean, could have done it a lot better, but need to show their eyes there. I didn't even think the costumes themselves were that good. I mean, they were all right, but you know, they weren't anything spectacular. I mean, to each their own. They they obviously had to make a lot of costumes for this story. So yeah, yeah they did. Anyway, this is where the episode starts getting a lot better. Yeah, um, because you might not have noticed from, uh, I guess, our summary slash, slash explanation of the first half, but that was basically the first 30 minutes of the episode. Yeah, we like blistered through it in maybe 15 minutes. And even then, it wasn't really 15 minutes because we took a lot of tangents. But yeah, that was 30 minutes of the episode. It was <laughs> the whole sabotage plot. But yeah, it definitely gets a lot stronger and just a lot more interesting starting now. 
Yeah, so Blake gets rescued by these two people named Novara, uh, Novara and Gila. And, yeah, Gila. Just like, what do we name this character? Uh, well, we and have Villa. We've already used Villa, so I guess Gila. But we've also seen Saimon. Yeah, we've seen Saimon. And uh, Saimon was also the one speaking through Jenna and Callie, although we don't necessarily know that yet. Saimon looks terrifying. Yeah, he does. <laughs> we see there, there's like this uh, establishing scene of, of a, a voice, and it's, it's, it sounds like Saimon's voice, and he's whispering. First, you can't tell what he's whispering because it's too distorted, and then you realize it's they must come or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and we see their like little laboratory as well. So... Samon looks like a head connected to like a really shriveled up fetus body. Yeah. It's like a regular sized human head. It's like a tail as well. But connected to a fetus <laughs> in like a vat of water. Of red water. So all, all in all, uh, terrifying. Yeah. Just completely terrifying. Yeah, I watched uh, Insidious, The Last Key recently for our movie trilogy podcast, Triple Play. That and, episode uh, goes out like tomorrow or next week, I think, when this goes out. Yeah, so uh, definitely check that out. But yeah, Samon was more was scarier than anything in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next... How many days are in January? I don't know. I can't keep track of this stuff, but... So Blake makes it to the to the base. Yeah, and he gets rescued by by Gila and, and Navara. Yeah, and and uh, one of them I don't know which one was Gila and which was Navara, but the 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 dude whoever that was comes out and he's like, "Hey, I'm pretty sure the guy is Navara." I because th- I think I think either Samon or Gila calls him Navara at some point because I I wrote Navara him dying as Navara and I. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I heard his name to do that, so... <laughs> All right, well, anyway, he comes out, and um, one of the decimas pops out of the, the, the brush, and uh, he just kills it. He just uses his uh, weapon, or whatever it is, to... Well, it asks Blake for help. It's like, help us, and Blake's like, "Ah, oh, what a cute and cuddly creature that needs help, and the guy just kills it. Wielding an axe. <laughs> cute and cuddly creature wielding an axe. But yeah, he just kills it, and he's like, all right, come on in. And Blake's like, like, what the heck just happened? (laughs) (laughs) The guy's like, don't tell me you haven't killed people before. Raj Blake, martyr for the rebellion. Or or he says like, um, don't, don't tell me you uh, have emotions or something like that. And Blake's like, uh, uh, no, no, no (laughs) emotions here. He just, he just doesn't respond. But they're like, so this is our lab. Yeah, check it out. It's pretty cool. We're the only two people here. We were, we were trying to find a secret to immortality, and uh, we failed. We miserably. We, we, yeah, we created the decimas. <laughs> He's like, so the decimas were originally uh, like you, and they're like, yeah, they were. Uh, we experimented on them. Uh, there were two purposes to these experiments. One was to uh, create an immortal uh, being, and the other was to create a mutant. Or not mutant. The other was to create a. Just a pack animal that uh, has a certain amount of intelligence and can just be used as slave labor. Yeah. But uh, the uh, a mutant strain broke out, and uh, that's the decimas. Yeah, but a mutant version of the decimas has become the dominant strain, I think they say. I think they said that they didn't give the decimas emotions. Sounds a lot like the Daleks. <laughs> and now they have, like, one of the mutant strains developed emotions, and now they have anger and rage and 
rudimentary thought capabilities and that yeah, interests they, the scientists, but they're like, we need to just, we need to kill them all. Yeah. And Blake is like, well, they've developed intelligence, obviously. You can't just wipe them out. And they're like, w- w- why not, Blake? <laughs> Give us one good reason not to wipe them out. Terry Nation sets up a pretty good catch-22 in this episode, I think, because they also reveal that, like, they can... They also created the web, which is apparently an or- a living organism, <laughs> which is why it regenerates so quickly and why they can't break out, but... So basically, they need these power cells to keep their base operational so that they can survive. And they can use these power cells to cut a hole in the web, which will take three hours to repair so that the Liberator can escape through it. But they're also going to use that power to kill all the decimas. So, you know, the choice is we all die together or the, <laughs> or the, crew de- of the or Liberator. Or just the decimas die. Yeah, or the decimas just die. So And Blake obviously doesn't want to kill the decimas. Yeah, because the decimas won't die, obviously, if they don't give them the power source because they don't have the capabilities to kill all the decimas yeah. without the power sources. <clears throat> Meanwhile, then they... they they're basically holed up there un- under attack um, by the decimas. Yeah, they're like screaming at the windows <laughs> trying to break in. Just throwing rocks everywhere. There's also, for that added extra tension, a uh, Federation patrol that's nearing and will, in about two hours, discover the Liberator trapped in this web. Yeah, kind of, uh, I mean, they've done this a couple times already. Kind of wish they'd just stop bringing in the, the, the Federation patrol on their tail. I mean, I guess it. Uh, I guess it's necessary uh, for, like, the setup of the show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they really are just adding it in for, for I, just to add tension when there was already enough going on mm-hmm. uh, that you'd, I guess, be invested. And also, like, if the Federation, the Federation patrol would have to get pretty close to the Liberator to destroy get it and they'd the get web. caught in the web. So it's like... <laughs> Not a huge problem, I suppose. Yeah, we also find out what the uh, Blake Seven logo is, which is, uh, I, I mean, maybe the, maybe you, uh, this was something that uh, was displayed on the view screen before, but I didn't notice it until now that the Federation ships are the the logo on the screen. Yeah. Uh-huh. I didn't notice that until this episode. I mean, I knew that beforehand, but I think this is the first time it's been shown on screen. Yeah, so uh, it's pretty interesting, I guess. It's also our logo, but in like, that we just stole. <laughs> well, it's like the only recognizable thing yeah. about the show, except yeah, it is. I guess the Liberator. But I wasn't going to try to replicate a silhouette of the Liberator <laughs> for our show. Just like a blob. Yeah, it a would actually blob. probably just look like a white blob, and no one would even know. But Blake really has no choice, so he contacts I think Jenna, and he's like, "All right, get these power cells down." Well, he contacts Jenna. So the, yeah, the thing was. He didn't know they were going to use the power cells to kill the decimas when he contacts Jenna. He just knows that they can use it to free the Liberator. So he contacts Jenna. It's like, hey, you find these power cells and then send Avon down oh, yeah, with yeah. him. And then... He, he finds out. He finds out. And then he, he, he contacts the Liberator again. And Villa's like, I just sent Avon down. Ten seconds. Like, like ten seconds ago. <laughs> and Blake's like... Ah. They haven't established the down and safe line yet. I thought they uh, already would have uh, by this point. But- they haven't, surprisingly. This is apparently the first appearance, though, according to the wiki. I was just reading randomly. It was like, this is the first appearance of the color-coded jumpsuits they wear when they teleport down. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time we see Blake and Avon's jumpsuits. <laughs> they... Uh, Blake meets Saimon. Saimon. And yeah. Saimon reveals that he's been talking through Gila and Navara, and that they don't really have any intelligence. They're just basically conduits for him to talk through. Yeah. And he he was also the one who talked to Callie and Jenna on the Liberator. 
he tells them that he tells Blake that when he started when the when these experiments started there were more of his species mm-hmm. uh, which I guess is just a, an, an offshoot of Callie's race yeah but that he's the only one left and Blake's like well I mean that sucks but like you can't just kill the decimas and he's like well, well I mean, we're going to we're going to yeah so <laughs> you don't really have a choice he's like damn it so Navara and Gila escort Blake uh, outside into the forest. Well, yeah, because Avon's been teleported into the forest and, and Seymour's like, you got to get those power cells. And Blake's like, I don't care about the power cells. One of my friends is out there. And I'm like, friends? Avon, the guy who's like trying to backstab you every step of the way, will probably kill you at first opportunity. You call him a friend? Jeez, Blake. Really are overly trusting of <laughs> literally everyone. There is a scene... This might have been in the last episode. Uh, I don't remember, honestly. There's a scene where um, Blake and Avon, like, save... They're about to get blasted, and they... It must be in this. And they, like, save each other. They, like, dive away. Or uh, one of them pushes the other one out of the way or something. I think it was in this one. Avon, like, pushes Blake out of the way. Because Blake's like, oh, you saved my life. And Avon's like, yeah, surprise me, too. (laughs) So Avon does at least have some semblance of, like, a conscience... (laughs) Some semblance of a conscience. Yeah, real high praise. <laughs> anyway, Blake meets up with Avon, and he's like, we can't use those power cells. He explains what's going on, and Avon's like, well, if it's between the decimas and us... I th- think I choose us, and I, don't- I think even your whack conscience would agree <laughs> with that. And Blake's like, yes, but at least we can try make a deal. Also, this is when Jenna conveniently withholds information oh, yeah. from Blake because the Federation ship... Patrols are coming, and and Callie thinks that they should tell Blake. And Jenna's like, no, 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 no. If he's negotiating, then that'll weaken his position. And yeah, this one makes sense a lot more than when she, I guess, withholds information in the last episode. So I, I guess yeah. good on, good on her. Yeah, I mean, it does make sense. And Callie's like, you are a shrewd woman. I guess just continually giving Jenna the the cool parts to play. I guess, and just giving her something to do in this episode. Yeah, but it was a nice addition. Uh, to her character, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she seems pretty smart. I mean, like we said last week, she seems the most competent of the yeah. Liberator crew. <clears throat> so like, they, they decide to hide the, the power cells. <laughs> okay, what was interesting was when Blake and Avon first meet up, they're like, all right, let's get undercover. And they, they walk like five steps away and just crouch down. <laughs> well, what was also interesting was that when they were like, let's hide these power cells, it looks like Blake just takes them and throws them towards the camera off screen. <laughs> And that's no, how he hides them. No, he, he, he like buries them in some foliage. And I was like, I really hope you remember where those are. I'm I mean, yeah, burying he them in a nondescript part of the forest. But it looked like he threw them off screen towards the camera. I think that's, I think you're thinking of when they drop the guns where they just like chuck them away. Maybe. Because right now they're confronted by Gila and Novara and they're like, so where's the power cells? And Avon's like, I didn't bring them. They're like, we know you're lying. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> because why would they send Avon down without the power cells? <laughs> Drop your and so they tell you and Navarra tell Blake and Yvonne to drop their weapons and this is where they just kind of chuck them towards the camera I think and they're like pick up the power cells they're like all right fine they like, wouldn't kill you we can find the power cells without you and they're like okay fine they just dig up the foliage again like right there power cells were hidden for all of two minutes I really question whether they'd be able to find the power cells again if they just walked away I mean honestly probably not if we're being like really honest. 
There's like no discernible features on this planet that would make it easy to find anything at all. Anyway, Except the base. Anyway, they make it back to the base. They're like, we got to make it back before the decimas show up. They make it back and the decimas show up like right after they get inside. Yeah, and I guess someone like forgets to close the door because one of the decimas <laughs> just busts in and starts beating Navara. <laughs> and Blake's like, whoa. And we, we, we skipped the part where they heal Blake's hand with that gel. That was kind of cool, but ultimately not that important. Yeah, and ultimately also identical almost to the scene from the last episode where yeah, Gan does it to cool, Jenna. They use that cool gel thing, so it was better. Was it really? Yes. Not really. <laughs> anyway. The, the decimals get in, and they just start destroying the entire lab. And Blake's like, wow, I didn't realize there was secret option C. Just kill only three people to escape. Avon's... <laughs> uh, the, the decimals are just... Not only have they killed Navarra and Gila, they're just destroying everything in sight, uh, screaming with their high-pitched voices. And Avon's like, "You, you, uh, you, <laughs> you wanted to what, save what these creatures or something like that." Yeah, it was something slightly different, but yeah, I'm, I can't believe I'm forgetting. The, I actually really liked the, his line here, but unfortunately, I don't remember exactly what it was. Is you, you were going to sacrifice everything for for these people or something like that? Mm-hmm. Blake's like, yeah. Blake says, <laughs> Blake says they're they're only acting in self defense, and then you get the scene where they kill Navarra and Gila. So, <laughs> and then you they also kill Samon, Jinx, Yomiya Soda. Just kidding. Samon like screams a lot as well. It just kind of blends in with the Decima screams, though. It just all condenses into one super scream, which is just absolutely <laughs> awful to listen to. But thankfully, Blake and Avon plug in the power cells and then beam themselves out of there. Yep, and they're able to use the cells to escape. And yeah, it cuts the the hole in the web that, that Gila and Navara said it would, and the Liberator escapes just in the nick of the time for the Federation ships to not Find them, and then they continue on their way to Kentaro. The end. We explained the plot of that pretty quickly, because like we said, the first half an hour of the episode, we condensed into like 10 minutes. Yeah. Because, <laughs> again, I mean, I think this episode suffers a lot more than any of the previous four from, like, well, the script is running a lot far under time, and, uh, well, we just need to bring in Chris Boucher to actually uh, get it to run on the, the full 50 minutes. Yeah, which is kind of why I feel like this is a weaker episode overall than a lot of the previous ones. I also feel like it's kind of weaker because the sabotage plot and the 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 decima plot basically are not super related. I mean, they're related. They're related Sa- through Saimon the is, yeah yeah through that the sabotage was caused by Saimon, but and the sabotage was basically only necessary to get them trapped in the web. And uh, when you put it that way. I mean, I guess it was kind of interesting, but it could have been resolved a lot uh, quicker. Yeah, because then they only bring it up again in the second half when Blake's down there and he's like, so you guys were the ones who brought us here? And and Navarro's like, yeah. And he's like, so you had to sabotage our ship to do that? And Navarro's like, would you have come otherwise? And Blake's like, perhaps. Yeah, Yeah, actually. We we kind of just beam ourselves down onto most of the planets we come across. So yeah. And then Navarro's just like, oh, sorry. (laughs) And then that's it. They never like mention the sabotage again from that point on. And that that point is probably like right around the thirty to thirty five minute mark of the episode. I mean, it was kind of interesting in that it like casts casts suspicion on Callie for a few minutes, and she's the newest member. So you think like, wow, they 
definitely shouldn't have brought Callie on board, but then you find out that it was just Samon controlling her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I briefly mentioned, bo- both of these sort of independent uh, things that are going on in you know, the sabotage and the thing with the decimas feel like Doctor Who stories. I mean, more this, so than part with the decimas. Both even could have easily been a full episode of Blake Seven if they had been done. Well, definitely the second half detail. has well, a lot more potential than the first. Well, yeah, well, yeah, because the second half has a lot more to work off of, but like. An episode where they they bring on they brought on a new crew member right at the end of the last episode, and then the edge of destruction of Blake Seven, <laughs> <laughs> where you know they cast suspicion on the new crew member going around sabotaging things. I mean, they could have brought in the whole thing from the last episode where like Zen and the computer system wasn't working properly, and then like it could have been the resolution could have been like, oh, maybe there's like a bug in the computer system because they already set up last episode zen not working yeah i don't know how interesting a full episode of that would be though (laughs) i mean maybe probably it wouldn't be that great but i feel like maybe it would have been better than what we got i just think the second half could have been expanded a lot uh more even if it was like a 20 because it was it was basically a a 30 20 thing where the first half was like probably around 30 minutes and the second half was around 20 Mm -hmm. if it had been the other way around like a 20 30 type thing um, probably would have been a lot more interesting. But uh, overall, I still enjoyed the episode. Like We mentioned uh, for Cygnus Alpha and um, whatever the last episode was called. Time Squad. Time Squad. That there, uh, Blake 7 uh, achieves like non-linearity pretty well, you know, so keep, keeps things interesting by having multiple different uh, things going on at once and mm-hmm. cutting back and forth between them and this did have multiple things going on, but was a lot more linear where it's like, all right, here's this one segment and now we're going to go do something else. Here's this other segment. Yeah. And it also, you know, in the second half, it wouldn't, you wouldn't ever cut back to the ship at any point. It was like focused on Blake until Blake contacts Jenna. And then that's the only time we cut back to the ship. Like we never see any of the Liberator crew actually acquiring the power cells because there was, you know, it kind of seemed like they were setting something up where Blake was like, you know, I don't know if we have power cells that'll work with this, but I dare say we might have something that could be adapted to fit. So it could have been, if they expanded out the second half, they could have built on that somehow and been like, oh, on the Liberator, they don't have the exact power cells, but then we see like, oh, maybe Avon or or Jenna adapts some other power cell they have to work with the system that's down on the planet. And then that could have been, that could have been yeah. an addition to both their characters and it would have d- drawn out the second part a little more. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, there there are uh, multiple ideas that you could have uh, of how to improve it, but you know, they also overall was still pretty good. I thought presumably to save budget, don't actually show Avon teleporting down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it happens off screen. They did that once in the last episode too, actually. <laughs> Which I don't blame them for, because I imagine the teleporter effect would actually be one of the more expensive effects to film. Well, the the planet set actually looks pretty good. It's not a rock quarry this week. Bummer. Yeah. It, it looks pretty alien, you know, draped with webs and, like I mentioned, what I assume are like spores. Mm-hmm. But the the lab doesn't look that great. Nor does Samon's vat slash room. Yeah, Samon's room just looks like it actually just looks like a storage closet that they just stuck Samon in like the back <laughs> corner. You know, he doesn't have like a big presence in the room. He's really just a really small jar in the back of the room. And that's like the only noticeable feature in the room too. It's kind of weird. 
There was one room in the lab that I thought was pretty cool, which is the room like connecting the power room to Samon's room, which had like all the test tubes and had like racks along the walls. I thought that room was pretty good. Yeah, come to think of it, there's another room in the very next episode that looks extremely similar to that area. <laughs> nice, maybe it's just the same area filmed from a different angle. <laughs> no, it actually looks like it's from the same angle. <laughs> Great, maybe, I'm looking, maybe I'm misremembering it. it. Maybe I'm misremembering it. Maybe. But, yeah, uh... Uh, I don't really have much more to say about this other than like some of the sets were cool. I thought the episode was pretty good, but like we mentioned, it could have been numerous improvements. Yeah, I don't have much to say either, except that, yeah, I, I thought it was one of the weaker episodes so far. Definitely on the lower end of the spectrum for me. Uh, I didn't find I did, the first half made this episode like pretty unenjoyable for me. So we got an email this week. That's very exciting because we haven't received an email for this podcast yet. We have for our other two, but not this one until now. Thanks, Sergeant Drano. <laughs> yeah, some someone who's named Sergeant Drano. So, if you didn't know, if you don't listen to our other podcasts... Which you don't, Sergeant Drano. <laughs> get on that. No, no. <laughs> we started having all our emails get read out by text-to-speech software. <laughs> because we couldn't afford any celebrity voices to come read our emails. No, no. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't afford to get, like, Gareth Thomas to read our emails. <laughs> Paul Dale. Anyway, let's just let's just listen to the email and then we'll we'll respond to it. Hey guys, I just listened to your first three episodes, including episode zero. Really enjoying it so far. Keep up the good work. You were curious if there are any listeners out there that are listening to your Blake Seven podcast without being aware of any of your other podcasts. Well, guess what? I qualify by pure coincidence. I was looking for a new podcast to listen to, I decided to do a search for Bleak 7, as I am a huge B7 fan, and yours popped up. Congratulations. It's amazing that you only started doing it this month. I look forward to the journey. As I said, I am a huge fan. I'm in the US, and first saw Bleak 7 way back somewhere around 1987, when the series was broadcast over here on PBS. The series has never been released on Region 1 DVD or Blu-ray over here. I have the, IMO, impressive honor of owning the entire series on commercially released VHS. Sure the effects and fashions are a bit clunky, but I really do enjoy the characters, dialogue, and overarching story of the show. My favorite episode of the series is Orbit, for reasons which will become obvious when you see it. I desperately hope you aren't spoiled on that one. Good job spotting Chief Bast, from Star Wars, playing Raker. He was the guy who asks Tarkin if he wants to evacuate. Speaking of Star Wars, to me Blake 7 does feel very similar to a Rebellion vs. Empire scenario, set in a very similar feeling universe. I think a lot of comparisons can be drawn between Blake 7 and, of all things, Star Wars, Rebels. For those of us not familiar with your other podcasts, could you give us a bit more background about yourselves? One of you sounds vaguely American, the other vaguely British Why? but I'm not totally sure. A few suggestions for your show. Don't watch ahead. One of you mentioned having watched the first six episodes already. Don't do that. It's more fun for us for you to know as little about what's coming as possible, and maybe make some predictions. Maybe hand out some awards each episode for best character, biggest heel, best one-liner, etc. Answer our feedback, 
maybe you do this already, I'm only to your episode number 2 so far. That's it for now, looking forward to future episodes. Best regards. Sergeant Draino. Station 7, The Door. So first of all, thanks, Sergeant Draino, again, for, for, for the email. Us. Yeah, thank you. And it means a lot to get an email. <laughs> and uh, I guess we're just going to be responding in order, because you bring up a lot of different points. Yeah. So first off, you didn't know about our other podcasts. That's pretty cool. I suspected that this podcast is going to have quite a few people who who just looked up Blake 7 because, you know, 40th it's anniversary. One of the three Blake 7 podcasts yeah, out there. One of the three Blake 7 <laughs> podcasts in existence. So um, that's kind of neat. Yeah, we were wondering if there were other if there were people who found this podcast without going through Triple Play or Trust Your Doctor. So yeah, but our other two podcasts, like you just mentioned, Triple Play and Trust Your Doctor. Trust Your Doctor was the first podcast we started. It's it's similar to this, but it's about Doctor Who. So it, it's basically this. But we just started on episode one of Doctor Who. You know, Unearthly Child, right in the beginning. 1963. William Hartnell. And uh, we just went all the way through. And, and uh, yeah, Triple Play <laughs> is a bit of a weird one. We watch movie trilogies every other month, and then on the off months, we do something related to that movie trilogy. That's Sometimes yeah. it's very tangentially related, like Italian Spider-Man. That was <laughs> barely related to Spider-Man, but yeah, so... Yeah, that um, that the structure of that podcast is a little different. We mostly go into like the making of. Um, don't really summarize because who wants to sit through a, 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 a two-hour podcast two hour. that just tells you the plot of Indiana Jones, for example? <laughs> um, so we go into the making of, and then we sort of discuss how the movies worked as a trilogy. Did they work well? Did they not work very well? Mm-hmm. Um, so that podcast also we started that one quite a while ago too. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely our our newest podcast. The other two have been going on for several years. <laughs> several years. <laughs> Pretty sure Zenith has more listenership than Triple Play, and Zenith's been yeah. out for like a month. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. Definitely. All right, so you started watching back in 1987. I know we were a little bit surprised that it took so long for Blake 7 to actually make it to America, because we didn't, yeah, we didn't just... know how long it took to air on pbs i was wondering about this was was that 1987 air date the first broadcast or was it was it a, a rerun did it take 10 years basically for uh, blake 7 to come out i don't know uh I, I never actually looked it up it's never been released on dvd here which is sad <laughs> a bummer very sad i would gladly buy the entire series of this <laughs> Good job spotting Chief Bass. Yeah, that was all key on that one. That wasn't me. Uh, I don't think I've seen Star Wars enough to notice that random character, background character. Yeah, no, I mean, not even sure how I noticed him, but, you know, I did, so. And you mentioned how uh, Blake 7 feels a little dated, but you still really enjoy it. And yeah, I do too. Uh, uh, and the datedness is something that I actually think adds to uh, my enjoyment of it. Yeah, it gives it kind of a weird charm yeah. to it a weird low budget bbc production charm <laughs> that we all know and love from the 70s uh looking forward to orbit i guess yeah uh we haven't watched star wars rebels so i, I don't know if we can comment on the 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 comparisons between blake 7 and rebels no, no i know we've talked about rebels on on triple play but i think both of us are having difficulty getting over the art style yeah. to watch Rebels, which is, I mean, maybe that's kind of a lame reason for not watching the show, but I, I, I don't, I don't think really so. think no, so. No, I don't think so. 
Um, I, yeah, if you don't like how something looks, then you're probably not really going to enjoy it very much. So. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like people who who would look at Blake 7 and be like, man, that looks so dated, I don't want to watch it. And, you know, I, I think that's fair as well. Yeah. But maybe someday, maybe someday. Uh, Rebels probably, uh, this is just a wild guess, but probably does a better job portraying the Empire as, you know, evil, evil. <laughs> than uh, the original trilogy does. I don't know, they blew up a planet. I'd say that's pretty evil, you know. <clears throat> that was like one thing. Uh, uh, <laughs> it was the first time they did uh, it. <laughs> that doesn't make it okay. <laughs> that really doesn't make it okay. That's actually pretty far from okay. Uh, yeah, uh, background about ourselves is actually a good point because we never actually did <laughs> yeah. give background on ourselves right on this <laughs> podcast. Um, I am American. Um so I guess I only sound vaguely American. But, <laughs> yeah, but you I only am. sound vaguely American, Keon. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I, I am American. Uh, I'm not British. Good try, though. <laughs> I was actually born in Johannesburg, South Africa. I moved, I moved to America in, in January of 2004, which is 14 years ago now that I look at it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's why my accent is... I mean, it's not like strictly South African. It's like this weird kind of blend between... Between South African and American, and I get Australian a lot when people guess, which, I mean, having talked to some people who live in Australia, I guess I could see that, but... Well, to, uh, I don't know, I think to the rest of the world, Australians and South Africans sound very similar. Potentially. Huh. Uh, they don't sound similar at all to me. Because you're South African. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, but we're Californian if you were... Like, we're from California. I'm from California. Yeah, we're in California. We're in California, so there's more than one American accent, so I guess I have a California accent and you have a semi-California accent. Yeah, yeah. And as for your suggestions, yeah, I haven't watched past episode six, but I know plenty of spoilers. I know basically all the big spoilers um, coming up, so, you know. There you go. But but on the other hand, um, TV is it, it's it's a visual format. It's something you have to watch. So you know, just knowing what happens doesn't necessarily ruin everything, in my opinion. Yeah, I haven't watched ahead at all, and I don't really know like two big spoilers about the show. So I'm pretty much watching these blind every week, kind of. Oh boy, what's gonna happen on Blake Seven today? Maybe um, hand out some awards for each episode. Yeah, we 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 could we can try and work that. that. A lot of podcasts do things like that, and uh, uh, we don't probably just because we're too lazy and subconsciously never even thought about doing it. But um, yeah, we could try and work some some awards in. I mean, I don't think it's just subconsciously not thinking about. It. I think it's just consciously never <laughs> thinking about it. It's, it's not something we're ever like, hey, we should do that. You know, and neither of us has ever brought that up off recording. Uh, Neither of us has brought it up at all in, until right now. Uh, three, answer our feedback. Already done. <laughs> yeah, we actually do answer feedback. The reason why there hasn't been any feedback answering in the past five episodes is because... We haven't gotten any. <laughs> we haven't and, gotten any to respond to. But, I mean, if you want to get in touch with us like and have your email read aloud, I guess, by text-to-speech, definitely email us. Um, but if you want to get in touch with us, definitely use Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'm semi-active on that. Dylan is pretty active on it. I run mm-hmm. the official Twitter account, which is at TYD Podcast, because we only have one account for all of our podcasts, so 
trust your doctor was our first one. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely respond to you on Twitter. Reach out to me on Facebook. You're probably not going to get a response. So don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. The, the most surefire way to get a response is to email us because we do. Or so far, we have responded to all of our emails that we get because, well, we get a small enough amount of emails that we can do that reasonably. I feel like if we got like 50 emails a week, we, we would be like, uh, <laughs> it's not happening. But yeah, you know, just reach out. We like hearing feedback. We like knowing what people want from us, I, I, I guess, was my point with that. Anyway, thanks for emailing us, yep. Charles and Drano. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Nice email. Anyway, you can email us at the doctor at decadentvegetable.com. Questions, comments, concerns, angry rants, love letters, your thoughts on the decimas. decimas. Would you sacrifice them to save yourself? <laughs> you can find us on YouTube at Decadent Vegetable. Our website's also Decadent Vegetable, if you didn't know. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Google Play at Zenith, a Blake 7 podcast. Please leave a rating if you like the show. Check us on Facebook. Trust your doctor. Like us on Facebook. Also check us on Twitter at TYD Podcast and follow us on Twitter. And next time we're watching Seek, Locate, Destroy. But until then, the end. <laughs>